New Year and welcome back to EPSN. And I'm your host, Emily Paulson, and we have a lot to cover today. I will recap the final week of the regular season in the NFL and preview some intriguing matchups in the playoffs. On top of that, I will touch on Clay Thompson Day and share my thoughts on the national championship game tonight. Let's jump right in. Week 18 of the NFL. This last weekend in the NFL had some amazing highs and lows for teams. Games were wild and exciting, and to cap off the season, fans all over got a game for the ages. Let's start with the lows of the weekend. The Indianapolis Colts, from being playoff bound to losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not a great weekend to be a Colts fan by any mean. You're probably wondering how your team even got into this situation. Well, let me tell you, it's not all Carson Wentz. The Colts' offensive line didn't help Wentz, and he was sacked six times, and MVP candidate Jonathan Taylor was held to 77 yards on the day rushing. Wentz turned the ball over twice, leading to 10 points for the Jaguars, but the Colts' defense didn't help the offense either. Don't get me wrong, the Jags played one of their better games of the season at Trevor Lawrence went 23 of 32 passing with 223 yards and two touchdowns. It's his first game with multiple touchdown passes since the season opener. This boosts the Jags, who are the number one overall draft picking team heading into the offseason. It gives them a boost in multiple ways. Getting a new coach will help, moving on from Urban Meyer. And Lawrence's first year is under his belt and will make the team better next year as he has experience now. Going back to the Colts, though, on the other side, they have a lot of thinking to do. Of course, keep Taylor, but it might be time to start thinking about getting a QB and trading to get a first-round pick since they don't have one. Maybe even start thinking about getting a new coach. I know Colts fans don't want to hear that, but your team should have been in the playoffs this year, and they blew it against a not very good Jaguars team who hasn't had a head coach, a rookie quarterback, and is the number one draft team, who had three wins now all season. Moving on to another low of the weekend, the Los Angeles Rams. I'm not throwing shade at the 49ers at all. It was a great come-from-behind win, clinching a playoff berth for them in an impressive fashion. But on the flip side, it's a lousy way for the Rams to end the regular season heading into the playoffs. Like, they were going to make the playoffs no matter what, but the fact that they lost to their rival, the 49ers, when they should have won? Lousy. The Rams were up 17-0 at one point and were up 17-3 heading into halftime. This is the second time the Rams have lost to rival San Francisco this season, and Sean McVay hasn't even beaten the 49ers in his time at the Rams yet. I think it's like they're 0-7 or something. Coming out of halftime, though, getting back to the game, the Rams' stacked defense gave up 14 points in the third quarter, making the game 17-14 heading into the fourth. In overtime, 
the 49ers ended up kicking a field goal to win 27-24 and to clinch a playoff berth. It was a great comeback win for the 49ers and an impressive way to end the season heading into the playoffs. And now they go and visit Dallas next week for the first round. And Garoppolo played really well against the Rams, especially in the second half. He had 316 yards passing for the game. The Rams, they this is just a bad way to end the regular season, heading into play a playoff game next week against the Arizona Cardinals. And I know they got the two seed. Yay, they get a home game. But to lose to your rival after leading 17-0 at one point? Sean McVay ended up winning his third division crown, but lost his streak of being 45-0 and in his career when leading at halftime. And I just want to give a quick shout-out to Jim Cardinale because I think your Rams could be in trouble this upcoming weekend against Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. This weekend, though, gave us some incredible highs, though. The Lions end the season on a win. The Jaguars and Lions both get wins in the last week of the season. Who would have predicted that? Against two teams who probably should have beat them. I mean, don't get me wrong. Green Bay already had uh, had the number one seed locked up and the bye. So this game didn't matter. And they took out Aaron Rodgers at halftime. But they still have shouldn't have lost to the Lions. And I give the Lions a lot of credit. I mean, those guys, those coaches, they played hard all through the season. Even though there was ups, a lot of downs, they still came out and played hard every weekend, which I think as a fan base you appreciate, and for the league itself too, you appreciate. And I know no team's going out there trying to lose, but when you're having a rough season like the the Lions or the Jaguars, it's impressive that your guys still go out there and compete on a weekly basis. It was the Lions' third win of the season, and now heading into the offseason, ended on a high note. Dan Campbell should be proud of his team's effort, as I said before, and how they finished the season. Heading into the offseason, the Lions have secured the number two overall pick, and I think this is actually good for them because sometimes having the number one overall pick, you have to spend more money, like $40 million, on the number one overall pick. And it's not as much pressure being the number two pick. So, to be honest, the Lions getting the second pick, in my opinion, is helping them a lot. For now, the Lions should be happy and their fans if they beat Green Bay. Like, come on, that's still a good win. But they have some serious things to think about, like the coaching staff and making roster changes. If they want to keep Jared Goff or not, etc., and who they want to pick. In my opinion, they should go with Thibodeau. They'll probably get a good defensive guy. And if they get Thibodeau, quick shout out to the Ducks, him and Penny Sewell get put together once again at the Lions. Shout out to Sean Total, too, who must be jumping with joy for this win because I bet he did not think his Lions were going to beat Green Bay this weekend. So, congrats, Total. Now, this is what I really am looking forward to talking about. The real high of the weekend, the winner to the playoffs game in Vegas Sunday night, America's game. 
This game had everything a sports fan could ask for. Excitement with highs and lows for both teams. A fantastic crowd with so much energy that made for a great environment and way too much trust for either team's fan base or just no fans in general. The winner of this game went to the playoffs while the loser was out. The game got very exciting during the fourth quarter and had fans tuning in everywhere. I want to see the TV ratings for this game when the fourth quarter started or even anything for the second half of this game because I think NBC probably scored a ton and views went up a ton. Anyway, heading into the fourth quarter, Vegas led 20-14. to 14. The Raiders were looking like they were heading for a win and a playoff berth for the first time since 2016 when they went up 29-14. to 14. But of course, as Raider Nation knows, there's no easy victory, as my dad likes to say. Justin Herbert led the Chargers back to tie the game 29-29 on a two-minute type drill going down the field on 19 plays. And on top of that, converting on three fourth downs to extend the game. It was such an impressive drive. I mean, not great passing percentage by any means for having 19 plays and having to convert on those fourth downs, but impressive that you can't even convert on those fourth downs. This pushed the game into overtime and through other playoff pictures in play that people didn't even think about. In the NFL, games can end in a tie after 10 minutes of overtime play. If the game would have ended in a tie, both the Chargers and Raiders would get into the playoffs, and the Steelers would have been pushed out. The Raiders ended up winning the toss and received the ball first in overtime. And in overtime, the team that receives the ball first, if they score a touchdown, the game is automatically over, and the other team doesn't get a chance to match. But if they get a field goal or don't score, the other team can go down the field and win on any point. And if no team scores, then the game is extended and can end in a tie after the 10 minutes is over. So Vegas goes down and kicks a 40-yard field goal to go up 32-29, giving the Chargers a chance to extend the game or win. And at this point, Raider fans were probably throwing hats off, maybe cursing at the TV, because they'd just given up 14 points to the Chargers in the last quarter of the game. The Chargers end up kicking a 41-yard field goal to tie it at 32-32, with only 4 minutes and 30 seconds left in overtime. And at this point, I'm assuming Steeler fans were on the edge of their seats and yelling at the TV, because I would be. The Raiders get the ball back and go down the field to the Charger 39-yard line. And with 38 seconds left, Brandon Staley calls a Charger timeout to stop the clock from running out. This is a big deal because, keep in mind, if it ends in a tie, both teams get in. I think this timeout pissed off the Raiders because it showed that the Chargers didn't want a tie. And I think it rubbed Raiders coach Rich Vesacia in the wrong way. 
with the Raiders not being in field goal range at this point, they ran a run play with Josh Jacobs for 10 yards up the middle to get to the Charger 29-yard line and let the clock roll off to two seconds and called their own timeout. The Raiders could have let the clock roll out completely and just tie the game, but no. They send out their kicker, Daniel Carlson, who is perfect in Allegiant Stadium this season, and he went out there and made a 47-yard field goal to win the game, sending the Raiders to the postseason in the Chargers' home. And if he would have missed it, the Raiders still would have been in. It was really all dependent on the Chargers. At the end of the game, Raider Nation went crazy, and it's the first time the Raiders have made the playoffs since 2016. Both coaches went and shook hands, but that's all after the game. It was super quick, and you could tell the tension between them. Herbert played fantastic at the end, converting on those fourth downs and extending his team's chance of making the playoffs. Herbert went 34-64 on the night for 383 yards with three touchdowns and one interception. Heading into the offseason, the Chargers need to sign more talent around Herbert and on defense to upgrade their secondary. This loss will burn and carry into next season with a chip of their shoulder. I think it will also make head coach Brandon think about choices with timeouts in the future. (laughs) Meanwhile, the Raiders are heading to Cincinnati to compete in the first round of the playoffs. It's the first time in 61 years that team has made a coaching change mid-season and made the playoffs. Derek Carr had an amazing season, almost MVP caliber type season at some points. There's lots of highs and lows. But he ended the season with 4,804 passing yards on setting a Raider franchise record for a season, a single season. Raider Nation has been waiting for this And with everything they went through this season, it's a miracle they were even in playoff contention. And quick shout out to my dad, Kevin Paulson, because I feel like the Raiders just needed this after the roller coaster season they had. And I know he's so excited for them, but going to Cincinnati is a tough task. But to close out the regular season with that type of game, the NFL gave us a game for the history books and one that most people will never forget. So, after a wild end to the regular season, NFL fans still have the playoffs to look forward to this coming weekend. Looking at the AFC, the Tennessee Titans have locked up the number one seed with a bye. And they had an impressive season, with over half of it being without their star player, Derrick Henry, who had what we thought a season-ending injury with the foot. And everyone after he got hurt thought, oh, the Titans aren't going to make the playoffs. And they proved me wrong. I assume they proved other people wrong. And now they're heading into the playoffs with a bye to get one more week of him healthy. And I think they're ones to watch out for and, in my opinion, Super Bowl contenders. The AFC is pretty loaded, though, compared to the NFC, so it will be hard for any team to come out of there and impressive there are some intriguing games though to watch this weekend on wild card weekend for teams who didn't get a bye on saturday vegas travels to cincy the Bengals and raiders have played once this season and the Bengals ended up winning 32 13 in vegas i think this game will end up 
being close, even though the Bengals are a six-point favorite right now, if Raider defense can play like they did this past week and Derek Carr can take care of the ball and not turn it over. This is Joe Burrow's first time in a playoff environment, so it could get shaky for him with all the pressure. But if he keeps his composure and doesn't turn the ball over, I think the Bengals are in good shape. The other game on Saturday night I'm looking forward to is New England at Buffalo, an interdivision matchup, which is super intriguing because both these quarterbacks are so young. Mac Jones, rookie out of Alabama, is making his playoff debut and has a tough task to go up against a decent Buffalo defense. And on his side, he has Bill Belichick, who's been to multiple playoffs, won multiple Super Bowls. So I think it's lucky for him that he has a coach that has so much experience who can help him keep that composure. I also think Mac Jones has a little bit of leg up, even though Josh Allen has played in the playoffs before, because he's been in those pressure-type situations like winning a national championship, playing for Alabama at the highest level. So I think this game will be super close. And Josh Allen has experience in the playoffs and gets to play at home, home field advantage. I think this game will be super exciting because both of these quarterbacks are young, vibrant, thrilling to watch, really. But if Allen can take care of the football and find his go-to receiver, Stephon Diggs, in the end zone, Buffalo should win the game. Looking at the NFC playoff picture, there are two games this weekend that caught my eye. On Sunday, San Francisco travels to Dallas to take on Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. This is a huge game for the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys need to prove that they can win in a pressure situation. I think this game will be super interesting because the 49ers are coming off a great comeback win against the Rams, which was so impressive. But Dallas, on the flip side, is coming out of a blowout win against the Eagles 51-26. That was also super impressive. Playing in Cowboy Stadium is tough in a regular season game, but in the playoffs, it's even harder. If Jimmy Garoppolo can take care of the football and produce for the 49ers, they will have a chance, but I think it all comes down to their defense. The 49ers defense needs to play their best game of the season if they want to stop the loaded offense of the Cowboys. And on the Cowboys need to also prove that they are a playoff Super Bowl contending team. Everyone has said it. Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, they got C.D. Lamb. Yeah, they have all these weapons, but can they produce in prime time when the pressure's on, when everything's on the line? I don't know. That's why this game, I think, is super interesting. And because Debo Samuel has been playing lights out recently for the 49ers. To cap off wildcard weekend on Monday, the AFC gives us a great game, which I already talked about a little bit earlier. The Arizona Cardinals traveled to the Los Angeles Rams. Old versus young. Matthew Stafford finally gets to play in a playoff game and put his experience in the league to test. Kyler Murray, on the other hand, is young and explosive, but has no playoff 
experience, really. This game, I think, comes down to quarterback play and which quarterback can make the least amount of mistakes but yet make the biggest plays that matter. The Cardinals' defense has to keep the game close if they want a chance, which is a tough ask against Cooper Cup, who is playing at an MVP-type level. The Cardinals' offense has to produce to be able to win, though. The Rams' defense is loaded with Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and Jalen Ramsey. The Cardinals have been shaking on the fence recently ever since Kyle Murray came back from that ankle injury. So, this game Monday night, only game on TV that day, everyone will be watching. I think it has some potential to spiral into a close game, an exciting game. But I think in the end, the Cardinals had to play one of their best games of the season and Matthew Stafford have to make some costly mistakes for them to win. I also think the Rams, after losing this past week to the 49ers, probably have a little chip on their shoulder, like, how did we lose last week? And they kind of want to prove themselves. All right, that was enough NFL talk for one episode. Let's switch gears and go to the NBA, which provided joy for all fans yesterday. Clay Thompson returned to the Warriors lineup for the first time in 941 days. This is a stat is crazy to me because it has been over two years since he played a game in the NBA and things looked a lot different the last time he stepped down to that court. 941 days ago, Kevin Durant was still in the Warriors, Chris Paul was playing for the Rockets, Anthony Davis was on the Pelicans, Kawhi Leonard was on the Raptors, And, oh, yeah, I forgot about this phase. Jimmy Butler was on the 76ers. What a time that was, really. Yesterday was considered Clay Thompson Day, and for good reason. The league was excited about his return and to see what he would look like after not playing for so long. He did not disappoint, either. Thompson ended up having 17 points in 20 minutes on 7 of 18 shooting. His teammates, coaches, fans, and players from around the league were all on his side last night. Now that the Warriors have Thompson back, have Curry, Wiggins, Green, and still to come back their rookie Kaminga, they are a team ready to go deep in the playoffs. And Steph Curry's kind of in a slump right now. Imagine once he gets back to playing like he normally does, plus Clay Thompson getting more and more experience as he gets back into the flow of things, especially on the defensive side. They're one of the best teams in the league, if not the best. And having Iguodala back and his experience too coming off the bench with all those young guys, I think they could be unstoppable. I'm not even a Warriors fan. Like, I just can't even talk about the Blazers though because they're so bad. (laughs) We'll have to touch on them a different day about what I think they need to do. But the sad day has come, and tonight is the last college football game of the 2021 season, with the championship game being tonight. This really takes a toll on my heart because I love college football season so much, but it's time. It's it's come. So, number one Alabama takes on number three Georgia tonight in the college football playoff national championship. It's a rematch of the SEC title game, which Alabama won handedly 41-24. At that point, 
Alabama had to win that game to make the playoff, but Georgia, being undefeated at the time, number one overall team, could have lost and still made it in, which ended up happening. Going into this game, Georgia is favored by two and a half, even though they have a seven-game losing streak to the Tide, and Coach Kirby Smart is 0-4 against the Tide. And in all those four losses, he's had a 10-plus point lead at some point in the game. Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett has to play extremely well tonight and not turn the ball over if the Bulldogs want to win. And Georgia's defense needs to step up and stop Bryce Young and make him turn over the ball in that explosive offensive Alabama. I think this game will be close and give sports fans another great game to watch after having the Raider game last night. And if you tuned in to my last episode, you recall we did bull picks and picked who we thought was going to win the national championship game. In all of our other bull picks, we did it based off of spreads, So, but this game didn't have a spread yet because we didn't even know who was in it, so we just picked it straight up. After all the bull games, I am in the lead with 11 wins. And close behind is Tony, Kevin Lang, and Reggie with 10 wins. And my poor dad is in last with only 8 wins. We, Tony and I picked Alabama for the championship game, while the other three picked Georgia. I can win outright in the bowl picker this year if Alabama wins. But if Georgia wins, Reggie, Lang, and I tie with 11 wins apiece. Which I wouldn't be mad about, but you never know. If you're a sports fan and have nothing going on tonight, I would tune into this game as it's going to be one for the ages. Either Kirby Smart can break his record of losing to Nick Saban and Georgia losing to Alabama in general and win their first title in 41 years since 1980, or Nick Saban can pull off another back-to-back national championship and go down more in the history books with a legacy. That was a lot that we dived into today. But I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of EPSN. And I can't wait to make more episodes this year and talk more about sports. Don't forget to follow and subscribe for more episodes. Have a fun week watching some good basketball and football games, sports fans. And see you next time. <laughs>